Welcome to SEC Fan Talk, the show by SEC fans for SEC fans and your home for all SEC stats, scores, schedules, and news. Want to be a guest host? Sign up today at secfantalk.com. And now for your hosts, Luke Olson and Brandon Bird. What an exciting SEC Week 2 we had. we got a lot of things to go over with you here on our games, how our predictions came out, a little bit of news, a lot more stats, and a couple of little audibles thrown in there that the guys don't even know about. I'm Brandon Bird, along with always Mr. Luke Alsop, and our returning guest from last week, Mr. Brad Rush. How are you guys doing today? Doing great, Brandon. Fantastic. Fantastic. It was a good weekend of SEC football. As always, we'll start with the news and a couple, not much news is going on. We got just got a couple little things to hit you with. Uh, first is uh, from Luke here with a piece of news for Florida. Yeah, it's big news for Florida again. I mean, Dan Mullen's just been killing it um, with getting these big time transfers in. Um, but the big news was on Saturday, while Florida was uh, in the battle against South Carolina, uh, Florida got the news that Demarcus Bowman, the five-star running back freshman uh, that had committed to Clemson, um, he is going to be transferring to Florida. Um, coming out of high school, he was the 20th ranked player overall in the country. Um, he's 5'10", 190 pounds. And he has, you know, super good speed. So uh, Clemson, Clemson was looking at him as being their back of the future, and um, he he apparently the story I've got is he's got all of his family is from Lakeland, Florida, and um, he one of his grandfathers died, and he wanted to be close to home again. Um, so he decided to leave Clemson. Uh, Dabo Sweeney was not very pleased about it, uh, to say the least. But, you know, in the end, it's all uh, Mr. Bowman's decision to make. But a big-time get for Florida. I'm glad he decided to come to a conference that actually matters now while Clemson is sitting in first. We all, we all know the ACC Clemson schedule compared to a weekend, week-out SEC schedule. Our second piece of news from Mr. Brad. Miles Brennan is the first uh, LSU quarterback, I believe, in school history to throw in his first two starts back-to-back 300-plus yard games, which that's pretty good. Um, that's always, you know, he's got some big shoes to fill coming in after Joe Burrow. You never want to be the you never want to be the rebound guy if you know what I mean, and that's where he's at. But he's you know he's putting up numbers. I think he's got a pretty good chance in the future in the West. Um, like I said, I think the West is somewhat down. Um, I mean, but he did play against Vanderbilt and Mississippi State. Don't forget that. But still, very impressive. And now for our audible guys, did not know that this was coming. So. Since the there's no lack of news and we've seen some crazy things happen here, we're not going to get into the coaching carousel just yet. Maybe here in probably about uh, two, three more weeks, we'll start to see some seats uh, heating up. My big thing is we've got an equal playing field right now as far as teams in the SEC, even number of teams, okay? If the SEC with football being its largest contributing factor to funds for all of these schools, if the SEC needed to drop one school at the end of this season, (laughs) who would it be and why? Brad, you'll start us out. Oh, there's no question who it should be. You're going to pick it. (laughs) Luke's going to pick it. It's Missouri. (laughs) Everybody knows it. Missouri doesn't deserve to be in the SEC. They're not even in the South. Come on now. They they have I mean, what are the, what do they bring to SEC? I can see A and M when we had the expansion a couple of years ago. They have a humongous fan base. They have a lot of history. But Missouri? Huh? Come on now. You know that's not right. Get rid of Missouri. And Luke? You know, I want to say Missouri, but at the same time, I I'm kind of looking at Vanderbilt. 
I mean, <laughs> the, you know, I totally agree, Brad. I mean, Missouri, they're not even part of the South, so I don't know what the hell they're doing here in the first place. But anyway, we got them. Um, but, you know, Vanderbilt, my, it's always been my biggest criticism of them is, I don't, you know, it's great that they're at such a great academic program. I mean, it's one of the best colleges in the country. If they're going to continue to receive tens of millions of dollars every year from the SEC, from the programs, the football programs who are actually contributing and making all this money for the conference, and it's okay if Vanderbilt capitalizes on that, but for them to take all that money and not put it back, you know, a vast majority of it back into the sports program, which is generating all of your revenue, you know, as far as sports are concerned. But, you know, if you're not going to pump money back into the to the fans, you know, I, I've got a problem with that. I agree with the both of you. So I had three teams on my list. Both Missouri and Vanderbilt were on the list. And the third, I'll, I'll <laughs> just go ahead and let you guess what the third one is. Uh, Alabama. Oh, it's Arkansas. <laughs> I would say Alabama is among the top contributor <laughs> to the SEC. Uh, it would be Arkansas, and at least with Vanderbilt, other than this last week's game, which we're going to you know, be rolling into here in just a few moments, other than that, Vanderbilt has at least won some SEC games, some of those against Tennessee. You know, Missouri is still we'll just say young into the conference. They they are very hungry. Yeah, they improved greatly with Barry Odom. Uh, you know, but they they hit that glass ceiling with him and uh so bringing in Eli Drinkowitz, you know, we'll we'll talk about that in a minute as well. <laughs> uh but for Arkansas to go 20 straight games without an SEC win, it, it's I'm going to have to lean towards Arkansas. Missouri's the new kid on the block. They need time. Vanderbilt um, you know, we has given up Brent Snedeker out of golf and and has given up uh, David Price and others out of baseball. Uh, their basketball is off and on. You know, it, they, they're known for, for basketball. Arkansas. I mean, anytime I see Arkansas, uh, the only thing I see is the place where the Clintons come from. <laughs> <laughs> well, see... I I'm going to stand up for Vanderbilt here. Now, I i mean, I'm a Tennessean at heart, and at least Vanderbilt has some qualities, just like Arkansas. You were talking baseball. Vanderbilt yeah. brings baseball in. Right. At the SEC, like, their biggest money is football, obviously, but they got to keep a couple schools sprinkled in there just to be relevant. Kentucky for basketball. Vanderbilt for baseball. I mean, LSU can be up there, too. And at least Arkansas was relevant in the mid to late 90s. I mean, if it wasn't for Arkansas, Tennessee might have went undefeated two years in a row. So, but Missouri? I mean, the Mason-Dixon line. I mean, really. No, I mean, I totally agree with you. Yeah, Location, I agree with you. That's when you're opening up a business. It's all about location, location, location. And you know what? Missouri fits. They fit right into the Big Ten's uh uh, section there, just a, another yeah. one for Ohio State to beat up on and make it look like they should be number one. Yeah, exactly. I mean, drop Missouri, give me Virginia Tech or Clemson. I mean, those. I mean, uh, I mean, it wouldn't be a good business decision for either of those two schools to come into the SEC when it comes to wins and losses. But for money, I mean, like I say, drop Missouri. What what are they doing? That was a I would idea. I would love to see Clemson come into the SEC. Oh, what is that? You're not in the top ten week in week out because you have a tough schedule. Yeah, that's the big question about Clemson. It's always been the big question. Like everybody knows that they've constantly got incredible talent there. I mean, David Sweeney has turned that program into a juggernaut. And Trevor Lawrence, I think, has been, with the exception of last year, with Burrow breaking all those records, I mean, Trevor Lawrence has been probably the best quarterback in the country ever since he stepped on the field as a freshman. Um, but, you know, can they win week in and week out going up against tough opponents? You know, who knows? Maybe they do, but it's hard when you got to play, 
you know, teams like LSU and Alabama and Florida and Tennessee and just run through that schedule, I'd like to see how they'd fare up. If they could just do it for one season, that'd be cool. Vanderbilt would look great, too, if they played Overton High School. <laughs> yeah. no, I mean, look, give, get rid of Missouri. Give me Georgia Tech. Give me the yeah. the battle of, battle of the Nerd Cups. You know, we got Vanderbilt versus Georgia Tech. Battle of the Nerds. Revenge of the Nerds. I mean, come on. Well, I mean, what a marketing yeah. idea right there. Yeah, you've convinced me, Brad. I'm going Missouri. <laughs> Get him out. <laughs> we have a swing voter. There he is. Yeah, I'll, we'll take Georgia State. We don't care who it is. Just get Missouri. No, 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 no. I don't. I don't think. I don't think Tennessee there. wants to be in the same conference as Georgia State. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I'm telling you, the the Nerd Cup is the future. Bandy Georgia Tech. That went a little longer than what I thought it would go, but uh, good conversation nonetheless. It is definitely time to talk about a little bit of the ranking changes that has happened since Saturday. Of course, uh, Alabama stays up in spot number two, remaining uh, undefeated at 2-0. and Georgia and Florida have swap spots. Uh, Georgia... Up in the number three now, Florida dropped to number four. You know, guys, the only thing that I can say about that is, is you know, maybe just Florida's defense giving up as many yards as they have. Uh, you know, while Georgia looked horrible the first half of the first game, they've really looked good since. What is y'all's opinion on that? Mine, mine is, you know, Florida's defense. Yeah, that, I mean, it, again, I, you know, two weeks in a row, here we go. You know, Florida's offense looked great. Um, you know, you take away that interception that Trask threw on his own 25-yard line, which was just a fantastic play uh, by South Carolina. Um, you know, they were getting ready to score again, so the offense has just been great. But their defense is just – I mean, they're just not good. Um, and I don't know how long they're going to be able to ride that. Um because, you know, you guys both know as well as I do, you can't run on offense alone in the SEC. Now, you you can if you have a once-in-a-lifetime, um, like just catching lightning in a bottle with having Burrow and all those guys and, you know, putting up historic numbers. Florida doesn't have that kind of offense, even though they are very, very good. So if they don't get their defense squared away – Florida is going to have some problems further on down the road. Or we trade out Florida uh, to <laughs> Big Ten and, uh, or Big 12, I'm sorry, and and take Oklahoma, and Florida would fit right in over there with that high-power offense. <laughs> Bring Oklahoma over here, let everyone smoke them. I mean, if if Iowa State and K, and K State can smoke them, I, you know, they're, they're another Missouri sitting over here. Yeah, that's yeah, that's very true. That's very true. I mean, I say going back to what we were talking about, you know, let's get rid of Missouri and you know the hell with it. Let's bring Texas in. From four, we don't get uh, another SEC team somehow until we get down to number thirteen. Uh, Auburn one and one drops from seven to thirteen. Uh, Tennessee climbs the ladder. From twenty-one to fourteen with their two and zero record, and then LSU coming up a couple after their win. They're one and one from twenty up to seventeen, and that uh, that clears it out uh, for the SEC in the top twenty-five. A couple had dropped off. I think Kentucky was on there at one point in time and and had dropped. And uh, yeah, I mean we know the others have not a chance of uh, of getting on. So it, it does kill me that they – I get that they have some placeholders on here. You know, they still have the Ohio State placeholder, the Penn State placeholder. <laughs> Oregon, somehow, it has a placeholder. Wisconsin, and uh, and then you get someone like SMU, which is 4-0 in the American Athletics, still sitting at 18. Um, oh, I did miss one. Hey, guys. Uh, at 21 is Texas A&M. I've completely overlooked them. Which uh, at the beginning of the season I didn't think would happen, but uh, being at what happened this last weekend, we uh, 
They, they may get overlooked some more. So drop down to 21 from 13 is Texas A&M. If we go through last week's predictions, uh, Bradley, I mean, nailed it. Nailed it. Uh, was off on one game, and his closest um, prediction was the Tennessee 35-10. That, that was just, we'll, we'll get to that. That's our second game that we'll get into. But as far as overall predictions, uh, he missed one, and, and it's one that everyone in the country would have missed with the Mississippi State game. I mean, if we if we knew it was going to be that easy to run a zone to stop the air raid, I mean, Sullivan East High School could have stopped them. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's where I went to high school at, by the way. What's up, Patriots? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so the first game that we picked on Friday was the Florida and South Carolina game. All of us had Florida to win. Some of us, uh, we all had it as a, a little bit higher scoring game, and which, uh, going back to what Luke said was a little bit ago, they, you know, one more score, and it would have been, um, actually, you, you would have been extremely close, Luke, um, as well as as you, Brad, and I, I uh, right now I'm probably sitting the closest. Running through a little bit of their stats here, you know, they're they're pretty equal as you go down through here. Uh, which you would not expect um, when you see the final outcome. I mean, South Carolina had more first downs, uh, had more rushing yards. Passing yards were 212 South Carolina, 268 for Florida. A lot of a lot more attempts by South Carolina to get that done, which explains the first downs. But total offense, 329 for South Carolina, 348 for Florida. The average yards per play, of course, is going to be higher on the winter with 6.6 for Florida. Uh, both of them uh, with some fumbles. Um, both of them lost one anyway. Third down conversions, four for nine for Florida, six for 17 South Carolina. That right there shows you the big gap. And then even trying to go on it for fourth down, Six times, guys, they were five for six in fourth down conversions against Florida. That right there screams that a defense of Florida needs vast improvement. And how they only dropped one uh, is beyond me because, you know, just underneath that fourth spot in number five is Notre Dame. And we all love how somehow Notre Dame's, you know, stays relevant uh, of course they're always going to be there no matter what the end of the year looks like how many losses they have they'll still be in the top 25 and go you know not even play 500 but anyway i digress yeah man they're just gonna they've got to get that defense figured out and and it's yeah it, they were they were horrific on fourth down but like where florida's getting in a lot of trouble is they're giving up four or five yards on first down repeatedly and you know they you just can't do that yeah you just can't you can't do that and um I, the craziest thing that stands out to me about the offense is how they've got let's see one two three they've got f- five of their six wide receivers every time they caught the ball if they picked up at least 13 yards that's that's impressive, you know. Florida, it's like you really. A lot of people are starting to question their running game, but it's like when you're, you've got a passing attack like that, do you really need to run the ball that much, or is that something that's going to come back and bite them? Um, but you know, give credit to to South Carolina. I mean, Colin Hill, he he hung tough, and you know, he put up a a, a pretty solid game. And um, the yeah, the rushing yards. I mean, you can't give up, you know, a hundred and thirty something yards rushing every game. That's going to come back and bite you sometime or another. No, Luke, I com- I completely agree. Um, I mean, you took all of, all of my talking points for sure. <laughs> but the defense is definitely skeptical for Florida. You don't, and that's something that I mean, what in the past ten years have never really been that much of a problem. No, no um, never. Yeah, that was the least problems they had. But at least they have possibly the best quarterback since Tim Tebow. I mean, arguably, right? Um, I mean, yeah. And they're going to be able—they're going to be able to hang them up. I mean, they're going to be able to hang the points up. 
I th- it might turn into one of those catch me if you can kind of things. You better score every time because we're going to. And then they're going to capitalize when the other team messes up. A couple fumbles here or there. I mean, he'll, I said, pretty good game, 212 yards, no interceptions. The running game looked pretty good for South Carolina. Speaking of Kyle Trask, the deadly combo of Kyle and Kyle is already in early talks of the Heisman Trophy race uh, that was uh, reported out today. I think it's a little too early to get into that, (laughs) a lot too early. Um, But as you know, it is definitely something to keep your eye on with that combination. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are, you know, just are thinking, you know, why not have him in the conversation? I mean, because as of right now, he deserves to be, you know, he's, uh, you know, he just keeps scoring touchdowns and you can't ignore that regardless of uh, where the position is. Frankly, I've been tired of them basically giving it to the best quarterback every year. Um, I've seen numerous seasons where – you know, there was a, a defensive end that was way more crucial to a team than uh, uh, a quarterback was. Um, and uh, I just Brad and I have seen that too. It was called uh, 1998 <laughs> when Peyton Manning was shafted for that uh, yeah, yeah, Heisman yeah. Award. Oh, absolutely. That That is the most glaring example. All right, now on to the second game that we picked, the Tennessee and Mizzou game. We all had Tennessee to win this one, and rightfully so. Um, I had it as a little closer game. Luke had it a little further. Brad had it the furthest, picking 35-10, to 10 and it coming out just two points ahead of that. What an amazing pick. I mean, I, I'll pick. take the win. That's close. I mean, and we play prices right, rules, closest to the actual score without going over, we'll win. Tennessee did exactly what they set out to do. Tennessee did what Pruitt has been demanding that they return to, and that is to have a run game that is above and beyond anyone else's. Eric Gray and Ty Chandler combined to rush for over 195 yards and three touchdowns. Huge. They forced uh, Mizzou to keep doing what they did last week, and that's to keep changing out quarterbacks. Of course, Tennessee fans know that that happened last year. Uh, with Tennessee, but Connor, who looked horrible in this first week, uh, came in to relieve Sean Robinson and looked fantastic. That's something that the Vols are going to have to work on, especially coming into this week in Athens, where they're going to have to defend the pass. Garantano played a little better. He completed 14 to 23 passes for 190 yards, a touchdown himself. Hey, you know that Pruitt has faith in that offensive line for him to go for fourth down conversions as many times as he did. And while maybe one of them uh, was close, I'm telling you, that offensive line was moving Missouri uh, to the point where, you know, Garantano didn't have to do much. No, I agree. Tennessee, uh, the, the, what the offensive line called himself the Tennessee Valley Authority. You know, two things that TVA can do is uh, provide – affordable, eco-friendly electricity to East Tennessee and a pretty good uh, run blocking game to ch- take that many chances on fourth down. <clears throat> I, I, I definitely agree that Pruitt has something brewing. He's always wanted to run a more of a NFL-style offense and with the yards up on, I mean, 50 on the fifty in the air, 50% on the, ground, on the ground, that's a pretty good ratio for them. And going to Missouri – I mean, just nothing really to talk about. They say if you if you, don't, uh, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. I don't have a whole lot to talk about that. I mean, how do you say that guy's name? Bazlecki or Bazlack? I don't know. I mean, 218 yards, that's pretty good. Now you know why I call him Connor. <laughs> I, mean, <clears throat> I mean, his name's harder to say than probably anybody else. Are going. Anyway, 13 to 21, 218 yards, that's pretty good. One ET, uh, interception, you know, he's growing. Um, I, I mean, I don't think they've looked horrible. They didn't look horrible against Alabama. Um, they didn't look so good against Tennessee. They're probably going to get a couple wins this year, but, uh, I mean, I called it. Nothing un- nothing unexpected. Our next game is the Texas A&M at Alabama, something that uh, we all picked Alabama. Um, all of us, uh, let's see, we had 48-28, me, 41-28, 42-21. So they – you know, of course, Alabama showed off and and uh, went over our predictions, and um, you know, all except uh, all except Brad, as Luke and I, we we uh, 
we gave Texas and A&M uh, a little too much. Everyone thought with Tua being gone, oh, you know, is Mac Jones, he's not good on his feet. Hey, you don't have to be good on your feet. He passed for his career high, 435 yards and four touchdowns. Mac Jones looked fantastic. I mean, and when, and when you have Waddle, I mean, just put it up there. Let him go do it. He, he makes any quarterback look good. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I don't know about you two guys, but I'm I'm done with Texas A&M. I don't believe in them anymore. I'm selling Texas A&M all the way. <laughs> it took two um, weeks preseason. Yeah. <laughs> he's talking them up about running the West. Yeah. Two weeks later, they're done. They're out of yeah. here. Yeah, I'm I'm finished with them. Um, I mean, nothing against Texas A&M, but you know, people have been saying for the last two years now. Kellen Mond's going to be the best quarterback in the conference. And, you know, Jimbo's system is a proven winner and all of these things are going to come together and make them this incredible offense like they had with uh, Jameis Winston at Florida State. And, you know, Kellen Mond is no Jameis Winston. That's for sure. Um, not, to, not to beat up on the kid, but, uh, you know, I – I just think it goes back. I think their whole thing goes back on their coaching. I don't necessarily know if they've got the caliber of players that they really want to have there. But, you know, uh, to get just throttled like that, um, I, I just I just don't see where all the hype is coming from, from Texas A&M. Um, as of right now, they're possibly the fourth best team in the West. And that's not good. That's not a good spot to be in. But, you know, yeah, like you were saying, I mean, Mac Jones, he had a, a hell of a game. He had a hell of a game. Alabama did what Alabama does, and that's just get their ball, get the ball to their playmakers. And they've got playmakers all over the field. So, you know, they are who we thought they were. Uh, but Texas A&M, not so much. <laughs> No, that's if there's. I mean, like we talked about a little earlier, if there's anybody that might be on a hot seat right now, it could be Jimbo Fisher. Yeah, um, I think that's very I, possible. I think Mond is actually a very good athlete. I think he's a very good quarterback. I just think that his receiving core stinks. I don't. I mean, I don't think it's a real good look when the best receiver you have is a running back. Second best receiver you've had with number with with yards last week is a tight end. Most of the time, I feel like you want your wide receiver guys on the top making the big plays. I just think his 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 wide receiving core is not good enough to keep up with the talent that Mond has on the field. When it comes to Alabama, Nick Saban and that offense has showed before that they can run it up when they don't have when they have just an average quarterback. But if they got somebody that can pass for four hundred thirty five yards. And four TDs, you better watch out. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. They're going to run it up. So, I mean, Waddle, I heard a stat the other day, another little stat fact here, that within the first 10 yards, Waddle is faster than Hussein Bolt. So, Good Lord. Um, that's, uh, that's pretty quick. Like I said, nothing out of the ordinary. I was kind of hoping that A&M would become a, a, a more – um, what what the word? Just uh, you know, uh, 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 they contend every year. You'd think with that kind of money they spend in that program, right? But it's just they've just been let down, let down, let down pretty much since Johnny Manziel. Yeah, and I I just don't get it because I mean when you go back and you look um at, at their recruiting, I mean last year they had the number four class in the country, and right now they're at number six, and it's like. You know, I, I, I thought that I thought the correlation that they would have as far as their young talent was concerned and Jimbo's coaching, I thought that by, you know, year two, everything would be clicking into place. But, you know, when I look at Texas A&M, I mean, I see a couple of really good players out there. I don't see this. um I don't see a whole squad of our, our, you know, multiple players on one side of the ball where you're like, wow, that guy's really good. And, you know, I just don't know. I think that goes back to coaching. And, yeah, Jimbo might be on the hot seat uh, because 
Texas A&M, they're not going to put up with, you know, with this because if they're paying that kind of money, they deserve better results, in my opinion. Speaking of deserve better results, our next game, Kentucky and Ole Miss. This is something uh, you two guys pick Ole Miss to win. Um, Luke by just a just a field goal. Brad by a little bit more. I, I went for the upset and went Kentucky, but none of us, none of us, had this thing anywhere near forty two points. No, no way. I never. I wouldn't have believed it. Yeah, I, I mean, I wasn't going to pick forty two points for for either of those offenses. Give it. Give the credit to Ole Miss. I mean, they did what they had to do to uh, get the job done. You know, I, I kind of felt like Ole Miss was going to was gonna win that <laughs> they, game. They had to make a field goal. <laughs> they had to make a field goal to win that one. Lane, look at Lane Kiffin. I mean, the guy's got, he's going to put points up on the board, that's for sure. You're right. Lane Kiffin, a.k.a. Joey Freshwater. I don't know if you've known that from way back in the day. I mean, he everywhere he's went, his offense has been good. Defense, questionable. Um, if he gets some guys in there, he can also recruit. Now, I don't know how, you know, how legal his recruiting is, but I mean, that's, that's not for me to judge, but if, if he's got a quarterback corral did pretty good, you know, 320 yards, four TDs, 24 out of 29, that's a pretty good day spinning it out there. I mean, Kentucky, have they had a quarterback since Tim couch? I mean, 14 for 18 for 151 yards. And have that many points on the board. Now the running game is really impressive. Um, that offensive line is actually pretty impressive, and they also might have the uh, one of the best names in college football with the Cavazzi. How you say that? Cavazzi smoke. Cavazzi smoke. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he could also be a closer for the nineteen ninety nine Atlanta Braves too. So you know, I I mean, um. But nothing, like I said, I think Ole Miss is going to shock a couple teams this year. Um, I'm not saying they're going to have a great season, but they might. They're, 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 if, if there's any teams on upset alert, it might be against Ole Miss. Kentucky, it was their game to lose. Uh, they had 100 more offensive yards with only five more plays, five, six, seven more plays. Um, their average yard per played was up. Uh, you, you maybe they had a fumble that they lost, which they tend to do that every week. Turn just a play or a two plays around, and you know they won that ball game. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, it was it was Kentucky's game. Um, you know I, what I'm real curious about is. What, what what happened between uh, Coach Stoops and, and the referee at the end of the game? I still haven't gotten a clear answer on that, but as soon as the whistle blew dead, he was not looking to shake hands with Lane Kiffin. He goes taking off after an official and apparently grabs him, and then the camera cuts off. And so I'm just curious to know what that was all about. I have no idea. I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> yeah, it, it was wild, and it, it happened just a split second after the game. Um, yeah, you know, they were going out to midfield, and it shows Lane Kiffin. He's strolling out there um, looking for Stoops, and the camera cuts to Stoops, who is sprinting after an official um, to give him some not-so-polite words. And you know that does nothing. I mean, these coaches know – once the and what are they going to do? Oh wait, wait a minute! Everyone, sit down, get back, get back on your own sidelines. Right, Let's yeah. redo this. He called timeout, and uh, right. we didn't catch it. Will the clock official uh, please add ten seconds to the clock? Thank you. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll spot you next week. Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah, I I had no no didn't have any idea that was going on. I was walking into the Cajun steamer. I hate to say it, I had my LSU collared shirt on, mainly because you get 10% off your meal if you wear well, LSU colored. I mean, have to have the pages <laughs> Oh, and there went our first commercial. Cajun Steamer, wear your LSU <laughs> gear for 10% off. <laughs> hey. That was uh, not a paid endorsement, sports fans. <laughs> not a paid endorsement. Uh, but we're, we're try- if you want one, hit us up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. 
Moving on to the next one, we had the Georgia and Auburn game. Uh, Luke picking the upset for Auburn to win uh, by four. I had them within a field goal each other, and Brad had them within a touchdown. Georgia just Georgia just owned that game. Yeah, Auburn is another one. Put them in the same bowl as Texas A&M and throw them out in the trash because I'm – I'm tired. Uh, <laughs> tired of betting on Auburn too. You know, it's like here we go again with Gus Malzahn. And how in God's green earth do you take on Chad Morris to be a coach of any consequence after that disaster that he inflicted on Arkansas? I I, I just don't get it. But yeah, I. Auburn, you know, Bo Nix, the guy runs around the pocket for no reason whatsoever. Perfect containment, and he wants to sprint out against Georgia's just elite defense, and it just made zero sense. I, I don't know. it. You know, when I, when I saw Auburn against Georgia, like, I'm just shocked that Georgia didn't beat them by more, um, the way Auburn's offense looked. You know, you got to credit all. Well, you know, Kirby Smart is, he's always one for running up uh, the score. And then, you know, late third quarter or all of fourth quarter, he'll just start laying back, uh, you know, just play safe, play safe, run the clock, run the ball. Um, had he said, no, just go on. I mean, they would have, they would have just had their way with him. Yeah. Nope. You're right. I mean, how, how can you trust a university or a football program that spells the name of their stadium, Jordan? but pronounces it Jordan and then gets mad at you if you call it Jordan. I don't think so. Um, Stetson Bennett, I, he's going to be good enough to lead this team to the to an SEC championship game anyway, I believe. They, 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 have, they always have a very good stable of running backs. They'll nickel and dime me. They'll run them in, run them out, run them in, run them out. It's a, like I use the baseball analogy. It's like a Johnny Holstaff approach. Next guy up, run it, run it, run it. Play action pass, touchdown. So, like I said, Georgia is a always a perennial in the in the East. Auburn always, for some reason, seems to start really high in the rankings and then crap the bed until the Iron Bowl. Uh, that might be well, the only thing that could save Gus Malzahn this year is a win at the Iron Bowl. I mean, I'm going to be shocked if they even give it. I mean, get a run. I don't. I don't expect them to be ranked by the end of the year, unless they get on a real heater. But I don't see that happening. Yeah, I don't either. Speaking of a real heater, the amount of people who lost their bet on the Mississippi State Arkansas mm. game. Mm. So we all three had this thing: forty-five, fourteen, Mississippi State. And instead, Arkansas comes out with their first SEC win in the last 20 games. Yeah, big. I mean, I'm happy for Arkansas. You know, I I gave them a bunch of crap last week. You know, I do kind of still like to see them get slapped around from time to time after the way they did. (laughs) But, you know, when you saw those kids in the locker room after that game and they were were the happiest that they've probably ever been. And that's just because they got this albatross that had been hanging around their neck for the last three seasons. They finally got it off. Um, and, you know, hats off to hats off to Sam Pittman. Um, he's, you know, if, if he wins a few more games, he's going to, he's going to make a believer out of me. Um, and on the flip side, you know, like Brad said earlier, you know, if if all it took to beat Mike Leach's uh, air raid offense is running a is running a zone, then yeah, they're not going to be hard to beat for the rest of the season. I just don't understand how you can look as good as they looked against LSU, and then the next week they look like a completely different football team. Guys, Arkansas wins this game with only 275 yards of total offense off of 65 plays, an average of four per play, losing two fumbles. <laughs> they they, they wow. punted the ball eight times. 
times for 338 yards of punting. I think they had three it, you know, the, They had six of those in the fourth quarter, I think, in the last four minutes. They were five for 14 on third down conversions and zero for one on fourth down conversions. Now, the only thing they really had going for them was three interceptions for 95 yards. I mean, that, that they're, you know, we'll offset the fumbles and some right there. But man, 275 yards offense, by the way, Mississippi State had 400. <laughs> I mean, I, I can, I, I have, I, I bring the good news and I also bring the bad news for the University of Arkansas. Um, the good news is, you won an SEC game. Congratulations. It was against a team that nobody had a lot of questions about. Or, I mean, it had a lot of questions about, didn't have a lot of answers about. The bad news is, Arkansas, you still stink. Um, I I would not be shocked if this is the only game they won all year. Looking at the air raid offense from Mississippi State, it's, it's kind of like that girl in college that you date that's a little weird. But you're like, hey, man, this might work. This is cool. And then you break up and you're upset for a little while. Then you look back on it. It's like, you know what? That was never going to work. Um, I mean, Mississippi State. They, they, Even the, the blind squirrel gets a nut. Does that find the oh, nut? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Or they play with them. That's, I mean, yeah, they either find them or they play with them. But with, with Mississippi State, they're going to get better athletes than Mike Leach has probably had the, ha- or had the opportunity to get at the, other, uh, at the other places, Texas Tech and Washington State. But he also has to remember that he's going to be playing against the better athletes than he played at Texas Tech and Washington State. I, I mean, like I said, it's, that's a team that's going to heat up and win one game, and it's just going to go back and forth, back and forth. I mean, 313 yards on 59 attempts, three interceptions, one TD. The air raid probably didn't work too well this weekend. And remember, Mississippi State, it was against Arkansas. So – I mean, if Arkansas put the puzzle together within one week, I think that's what hurt LSU. They were a little prideful. Bo Pelini was prideful. They didn't have any, they didn't have any film on them. Arkansas got the film. They better get more creative in Mississippi State if they want to have a chance. Our last one was what some called the LSU redemption game. I don't know how you take the national champion team and say that their redemption game was against Vanderbilt. <laughs> um, we all picked LSU to win uh, in that 38-21, 35-14 range. Um, they certainly came into Nashville um, definitely more purple and gold uh, in the stands than black and gold, which is the norm. And is it really? Uh, is no, it really though? <laughs> no, no, no matter what team it is, uh, especially when Tennessee comes to town, um, about the only black and gold you see is the sideline and the band. <laughs> no, I, I agree. The, the only thing that I think that I mean, I'm going to give Vanderbilt a little credit where credit is due. The unis they were wearing this weekend were fire. Had the <laughs> had the the skyline of downtown Nashville on the helmet. Those were cool. Had the Batman building. Those were cool. That, that's better, I'm, I'm better than last guy. week's. Uh, you can never tell. Anchor down. Well, I mean, you know, well, come on. But no, the no, no. I can uniform, I can handle the anchor down. It's it's the uh, Studio Fifty Four Retro Vandy that I did not like last week. Nah, I didn't, if I'm being honest, I didn't even watch the game last week. You know, it's Vanderbilt. So, um, <laughs> but Brennan, I think. I'm not. I'm not saying they're going to win the West. I'm not saying they're going to make it to the fi- to the Final Four and or the, the the playoff. But I think he's good. I even think that he has the capability of going to the next level and being good. I just think the West. I think the. Well, I think the East is better than it has been in years. The West has fallen off a little bit. So I, I feel like there's a better chance if you're going to get two SEC teams in the in the in the playoff, you're going to get them from the East this year, actually. That's my prediction. Um, but Brennan, 337 yards, four TDs, pretty good day. Um, Emory Jr., 12 attempts, 103 uh, that's yards. That's what I was fixing to say. E- easy to that's have to good. make yourself look good when you have a <laughs> Emory Jr. running 103 of your 161 rushing yards. <laughs> that's pretty good. And Vanderbilt, we'll give them a little more credit. They normally have a pretty good defense, but not – 
Saturday giving up 500 yards of offense. You, you, yeah, you're, you're no, no defense there. And, and Vandy only had 266 yards of offense, uh, doing the math. Uh, you know, what LSU had that, uh, two minutes into the second quarter. <laughs> but you got to remember that Vanderbilt's probably, or the, the students that play for Vanderbilt are going to be the managers of the people playing for LSU one of these days. So I guess they got that going for them. <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I kind of feel bad. You know, I was, I was, I was kind of hating on Miles Brennan there, kind of towards the beginning of the season. It, it was unfair because it's it's impossible to to fill Burrow's shoes. Um, so those are just unrealistic expectations for him to be able to do anything remotely close to that. But I mean, he he has he's 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 starting to. Um, to win me over and i know it was just against vanderbilt but yeah i mean lsu they they've well, got vanderbilt you can't knock vanderbilt's defense i mean Derek mason no. is is a extreme enthusiastic compassionate coach and i have so much respect for Derek mason uh if if vanderbilt had you know just a sliver more of recruiting availability uh they would be good and and their defense is is usually you know that's that certainly no one talks about Vanderbilt for their offense. Yeah, that's exactly right, Brad. I mean, you hit it right on the head. Like the problem is, is, is at Vanderbilt, they, they don't have the the depth that all these other teams have. If, if Vanderbilt's number twos were as good as their number ones, especially on defense, they would be held to try to score points against. Um, and they've always had a decent rushing game, um, respectable. Uh, their passing offense has always needed help, but you know they're they're running into this problem where they're running out of steam halfway through the game because they don't have the talent to keep consistently putting their defense on the field over and over and over again. Um, you know they're they're just going to get worn out, and if you are not able to move the ball consistently on offense. It, it doesn't matter how good your defense is, you're you're gonna end up getting beat. Like I said about Brennan, you don't wanna be the you don't wanna be the rebound guy after a breakup. Big shoes to fill. I think Vandy can I think the reason their defense is better though for for real though is because you can sneak by with maybe not the best talented players on the defensive side and coach them up. Right. The offensive yeah. side it's a little harder. Yeah, that I mean that's that is true. Yeah, I mean you have I, I just think if the problem is, is they're just not going to get the recruits in at Vanderbilt if they don't upgrade their facilities. You know, well, um, that or they need to bring back the Degum the what it takes to get into Vanderbilt, lower the grade standards just a little bit, and they yeah. and they're going and they, their talent will go up twofold. Yeah, we'll yeah, put a sign really, up in some of Tennessee's worst prisons: SEC open treeouts. <laughs> Kickers wanted. All right, guys, we'll. Uh, hit just real quick on next week's schedule that we're going to talk about later on this week. Number four, Florida at Texas A&M is the noon game on ESPN, the one that matters. The other noon game, South Carolina at Vanderbilt on the SEC Network. The primetime 3.30 CBS game is Tennessee at Georgia. Four o'clock on SEC Network is Arkansas at number 13, Auburn. The 6 o'clock prime game, number two, Alabama at Ole Miss, where uh, Lane Kiffin will be one of many coaches left under Saban's wing, and maybe he can try to change that around from the 0-20 and 20 that it is right now. The 7.30 game, Mississippi State at Kentucky on SEC Network, and the 9 p.m. game is Missouri at LSU. Hey, Brad... Nine o'clock in Baton Rouge. You mean if you've been? Is there anyone that's able to walk after on a Saturday after a day of preparing for this nine p.m. game? I, I don't know what's worse if it's there or Athens um, when it comes to that, but I don't think they're going to be too too in the mood because they're playing Missouri. So you know, it's it's like, oh, is this uh, we playing a Big Twelve team? I mean, you know, it's, 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 and I don't even know what the, what is the, like the 
COVID protocol, they allow 25% in Death Valley. I don't think the band's going to play neck against Missouri. I, I'm not sure what the COVID protocol is as far as attendance is. I do know <laughs> that they have stopped the uh, checking at the gates. There's no more temperature checks, anything like that at the gates anymore in Baton oh, Rouge. Oh, it's full bore down in Baton Rouge then, ain't it? Full bore. I don't know if you boys uh, saw what happened at Georgia that caused the big stink. But uh, apparently Georgia just threw out their COVID protocols altogether because when you saw that stadium, it was it was at least half full. I mean, the, there were a lot of people there. Um, you know, somebody probably tried to call the cops on them and, you know, they got in touch with the cops and found out all the cops were at the game as well. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, like the, the, they said, the, the school looked at it, and they're like, "We're either going to have to arrest everyone and not let anyone watch, or let everyone watch and just take the black bow from the media." So we'll t- let everybody watch. <laughs> there, there there's another, there's enough alcohol in everyone that uh, the the virus doesn't stand a chance. <laughs> You're probably right. Natural light and Burnett's vodka. <laughs> well, guys, that wraps us up for the week two results. And we'll see you later on uh, this week for the week three predictions and anything that has changed in the SEC prior to that. Um, we will run it down as usual, game by game, with our thoughts, uh, our scores, and the spread. We want to thank you very much for listening to SEC Fan Talk. Follow us online, secfantalk.com, Twitter at, at SEC Fan Talk, and now Facebook, which I believe is the same, at SEC Fan Talk. Thank you guys for joining in. Always, always. Peace up, A-Town down. Yes, sir. I've really enjoyed it, fellas. Looking forward to doing it again. Got some big games coming up next week. Not Arkansas.
Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.